0: Isn't it a great reminder to sing about our help coming from the Lord. He's our refuge. He's our strength. I was reading this week uh, an article online and it it talked about the number one need of people universally on the globe and and that number one need was to know that you're safe. To have a certainty that everything is going to be okay. Would you agree with that assessment? To have some sort of a certainty that it's going to be okay. I'm going to have a place to stay. I'm going to have food to eat. Everything's going to be all right. I think that's pretty true. It's it's true in my life. And of course, when you have kids, it's you start to think less about yourself. You start to think about them. That they're safe. That they're secure. Well, this morning uh, it's my privilege to preach a Psalm, Psalm ninety-one, that talks about safety. And uh, because of that, it is extremely relevant in our lives. If that's really one of our primary concerns in life, our safety, our certainty that everything's going to be okay, well then certainly uh, God's going to use this psalm, not only in my life but in your life, and He has already. Um, Carlos mentioned that tomorrow is Veterans Day, and thanks to many of you, we have the safety and security that we enjoy every single day. We have the Um, The privilege to come and to meet in a place like this without threat. And and so we thank you. Thank you very much, veterans. You provide a lot of that safety and security for us. Um, In fact, our our nation spent $1.2 trillion on national security this year. It's kind of important, isn't it? Uh, Homeowners, you spent $20 billion on home security systems uh, this year. We have a lot of things that keep us safe and, and, you know, I'm not opposed to those things. I enjoy them. I like deadbolt locks. How many of you with me on that one? I, I love deadbolts. I, we have the ring camera at home, you know. I like to be able to see who's at my door. Sometimes we answer, sometimes we don't. It depends <laughs> on which of you are standing out there in the cold. But uh, I'm all for seat belts and airbags and crash tests and things, you know, that, that keep us safe. I'm even for steel-toed shoes. But there is a safety, there is a security that God provides that none of those things can provide. And that's what we're going to look at today in Psalm 91. When Pastor John mentioned that he was going to do a series entitled Psalms of the Season, and he invited me to preach on any particular psalm that I wanted to, Psalm 91 instantly came to my mind because it has meant so much to me throughout my life. Uh, from the time I was just a 16-year-old preacher's kid that trusted Christ at a youth camp in Montana until now, I found myself continually going back to Psalm 91 and reading through these incredible promises. I remember as a freshman at Liberty University taking just a lot of classes. I had like 18 uh, hours that semester and I was dating a girl seriously and I was commuting back and forth to school working a part-time job. And... Uh, I started getting sick and they didn't know what was wrong with me and they thought that I might have cancer. As an 18 year old young man, I had to do a medical withdrawal from school. I was diagnosed with uh, ulcerative, ulcerative colitis. So my life went from just going high speed to stop, a hard stop on my back for six months. I went to Psalm 91 and it encouraged me through that time. There were some hard breakups in college, some serious relationships that ended and I was heartbroken and during those times I found healing for my heart in psalm 91 got married started having kids went into full-time ministry went through several transitions in ministry moves across the country away from family and friends and psalm 91 brought a lot of stability in my life i'll never forget my mom called me and and let me know that her marriage to my dad was ending and psalm 91 encouraged my heart the very next day she called and said that my dad had passed away and was was in heaven Psalm 91 helped fortify my faith during those, during those times. The very next year, September 11th, 2001, airplanes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City and in the Pentagon, Washington, D.C. And like many of you, I was wondering, what is happening in our world? People from our young church plant that had just trusted Christ were calling, saying, is this it, is this the end of the world? Are we getting ready to enter into the book of Revelation? And I didn't know what to tell him. I said, maybe, I don't know, you know. But I did find myself going back to Psalm 91 and being encouraged by the promises here. Through heartache, through transition, through change, through pain, through sickness, through death, Psalm 91 has been a refuge for me personally. And so I'm excited to preach on this text today and I hope that by the end of our time together you'll be able to say the same thing about this incredible passage of Scripture. Will you stand with me as we look at Psalm 91 together? <clears throat> I want to be quoting from the New King James Version. And it goes like this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous Pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord. Who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place? No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. And the final three verses of this chapter are from the perspective of God to all of those who trust in him. This is from him to you. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you. You may be seated. And as you look at this chapter, uh, it is divided neatly into three sections, or at least it is to me. And the first section is verses 1 and 2. And I've entitled this section, His Proclamation. When I talk about His Proclamation, I'm referring to the psalmist, the man that God inspired these words through. Some believe that it was King David. King David wrote a lot of the psalms. Out of the 150 psalms, King David wrote 75 that we know of. There were other guys that God inspired to, to write these incredible psalms. And really, the word psalm is just a song that is sung with a stringed instrument or a harp, as it were. So these are songs. And so when you, when you read these poetic writings inspired by God, uh, maybe a little tune would come to mind, you know? I don't know what this tune sounded like, but I imagine it was, it was pretty amazing because these lyrics are incredible. So some think that King David may have pen to Psalm 91. Others think that maybe Moses wrote Psalm 91. We do know that Moses wrote Psalm 90, and because there's no uh, new authorship assigned, perhaps he just continued on and penned Psalm 91. As you read through the psalm, a lot of the imagery would make sense if Moses wrote the psalm as he led the children of Israel out of Egypt throughout the wilderness. You know, there's There's lions and there's serpents and there's terrors by night. And so it kind of fits. So we're not really sure whether David wrote the psalm or Moses wrote the psalm. But whoever it was makes an an amazing proclamation. He talks about a place. And it's a place of safety. It's the secret place. The New King James translates it secret place. Many of your translations say shelter. But he describes the secret place or the shelter as a place of protection, as a special place that's near to God. And, it's, it, and, and before the end of the sermon, I promise I'll give you directions as to how to get to the secret place. But in the meantime, it's kind of a mystery. All we know about the secret place is that it's close enough to God to be considered in his shadow. I love when I meet a young family at the church and they have little ones uh, that are toddling around and I address their parents, and then I try to talk to the little kids and, and ask them how they're doing, and, and they hide behind mom and dad's leg. Have you ever done that? You know, when I was a little kid, I used to hide behind my parents' leg. What they're doing is they're taking up, um, they're, they're going to a safe place. They're going in the shadow of their mom or their dad. They're hiding in that, that shadow, that shelter, the secret place. They're coming close. Why do they hide from me? I don't know. Maybe they think I'm a little creepy. I'm not sure, but they take up shelter uh, with their parents. And so that's the idea of this secret place. It's close enough to be in the shadow of the Almighty. A little bit further on into this psalm, verse 4, uh, there's an awesome metaphor that's used to describe the secret place. Uh, it says that, that you will take refuge under his feathers. Did you know that God had feathers? Interesting metaphor, right? He, he describes himself as kind of a mother hen covering his feathers his chicks with his feathers, shielding his chicks with his feathers. What a beautiful picture. This is kind of a feminine picture of God. Most of the time throughout the scriptures, we see God through a masculine lens. You know, he's powerful, and he's strong, and he rules, and he reigns. But this is kind of a delicate picture of God. Did you know that men and women were created in the image of God, male and female, right? So I love that, that we get to see God through kind of a feminine lens where he, he likens himself to a mother hen who's sheltering, uh, his chicks with his feathers and we can take refuge under his wings other places throughout the scripture where God uses kind of a feminine description of himself uh, this imagery is in Hosea 13:8. he likens himself to a bear a mother bear caring for her cubs or an eagle hovering over her young in Deuteronomy 32 or a mother comforting her child in Isaiah 66 I love that picture because you know I, th- I think I'm a pretty nurturing guy I have four kids and if they fall and skin their knee, I, I, I pride myself in taking care of them, but there's nobody that can take care of someone who's hurt or someone who's in trouble like the loving, uh, nurturing touch of a mother. And so God says, I, I'm, like, I'm like a mother hen, and I'll, I'll shield you with my feathers. I'll protect you with my wings. Pretty awesome thought. Even Jesus Compared himself to a mother hen. Matthew 23, 37, he's looking at Jerusalem and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So, this place and this proclamation that the psalmist proclaims he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Under, under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. It's a nurturing place. It's a protective place. But there are prerequisites to being in that place. He said you have to dwell. You have to abide. You have to trust. Dwell and abide are, are really similar in their definition. It, it just basically means make yourself at home. Remain. When I say that word abide, maybe you you thought of a familiar passage of Scripture in the New Testament, John chapter 15, where Jesus is referring to himself as the vine and we are the branches, and he says you have to abide in me. Abide in me, for without me you can do nothing. And so it has that idea of making yourself at home in this place. And so to to experience the safety of this secret place, you have to abide, you have to dwell, you have to sit down, make yourself at home and abide there. And then I love, as part of this proclamation, the psalmist includes four amazing names of God. In just two verses, he uses four names of God. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that's Elyon, the one who is above all things, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, Shaddai. Remember that old song in the 80s, El Shaddai, by Amy Grant? To this day, I have no idea what it means, but I do know that Shaddai is a name for God, he's, he's above all, he is the almighty one. And then he says, I will say of the Lord, and that is the most familiar name used of God in the Old Testament, Jehovah. He's the one true God, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress. And then he says, my God, that's Elohim. And so in just two verses, he used four powerful names of God to show the one who is like a mother bird that's sheltering us, the, the one in whose shadow we find safety and refuge. So there's the place, there's some prerequisites, there's the powerful name of God. That's the first section of this incredible psalm that is about safety in the secret place. Now, the second section is a little bit bigger, and it stretches from verse 3 to 13. Look at that there. And in this section, the psalmist describes our protection. Those of us who dwell, who abide, who trust in, Almighty God, we enjoy protection, and he lists several dangers that we're protected from. Now, would you agree that we live in a dangerous world? Yeah, we live in a dangerous world. And as I mentioned earlier, if you have kids, you're even more attuned to the dangers of this world. I've had the honor of teaching three teenage girls how to drive. And uh, that's why I have gray and white patches of hair. And uh, I have a nine-year-old son that's, that's coming along, and I'm going to have to teach him how to drive. But maybe by that time, I'll be so over it that I'll just pay for someone else to teach him how to drive. But as I was teaching my daughters how to drive, you realize just how dangerous the roads are. I mean, 35 is like Mad Max in the Thunderdome, you know? If you want to go to Fort Worth, it's, you're taking your life into your own hands. When the Chisholm Trail Parkway opened, I I thought, man, that is so expensive. There's no way I'll ever pay to drive on that road. I'm paying, man. (laughs) Every month. My daughter has a toll tag, and she uses that way too much. Anyway, but it's a dangerous place, and there are crazy drivers out there. And Now, thanks to me, there's three more crazy drivers out there. You're welcome. My daughters are on the roadways uh, right now but there's dangers all around us. There's dangers we can see. There's dangers we can't see. We have enemies that that are apparent. We have enemies that are in the spirit world that we don't even know about. The Bible tells us that Satan himself is out to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the dangers listed here is, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What is that? Well, a fowler is one who goes out and catches birds, and before there was gunpowder, you had to set little traps. And catch them while they were on the ground. You had to lure them in. You had to do a little snare. And when they stepped in the snare, you pulled the snare and catch them. And they couldn't fly away. Did you know that there's a fowler that's after you and me? We're like little birds wandering through this wicked world. And Satan himself is out there setting traps and snares. Paul warned Timothy in First Timothy that Satan is like a fowler. And he's setting a snare for your heart. Don't go after money, Timothy, because Satan will use it as a snare. He'll snag you and he'll trap you. So Satan is out there. He's a a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's a a slithering serpent that is on purpose looking for ways to take you down. It's a dangerous world we live in. There are accidental dangers. There's intentional dangers. Dangers. I love this list. There's snares, there's perilous pestilences, there's terror, terrors by night, arrows by day. There's pestilence that, that walks in darkness. Some of your translations say stalks in darkness. There's destruction that lays waste at noonday. There's these dangers, and the duration of the dangers is all the time. He talks about trouble during the daytime, at nighttime, at noonday, morning, noon, and night. There are dangers that threaten to take us down. I'm not trying to depress you this morning, but I'm trying to to wake you up to the reality that, man, this life is dangerous. We live in a wicked world. We live in a sin-sick place. And if you're not watchful, and if you're not in a place that's safe, you're just not gonna last very long. But what's great about this passage is he's, he's telling us that Those of us that dwell in the secret place, those of us that abide under the shadow of the Almighty, we're safe from these dangers. We're protected all the time for the duration. He's saying there's never a day where God is not on duty, there is never a night when God is not near. Whatever you face, whenever you face it, if you dwell and you abide in the secret place, you're safe and secure. As the old hymn says, from all alarm. Safe and secure from all alarm. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. So our great God covers us in this secret place from dangers for the duration of time. And then he uses an angelic detachment. This is an awesome part of this section. Verses 11 and 12 teach us an incredible truth. He says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. I know this is difficult for us to grasp because sometimes we we get so distracted by what is visible that we fail to have faith in what is invisible. So I wanted to give you kind of a picture to help you uh, track along with me. I talked to three guys before I came up. Justin, would you come up here for a second? Lee, Brian Best, are you out there somewhere, brother? Would you come on up? I'm going to kind of put into a visible reality, um, an invisible reality, to help you guys see what's going on. Verse 11 and 12 says, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, the Bible tells me that angels are pretty incredible beings. They're not like humans. They don't have the limitations that human beings have. Angels are powerful, they're fast. They're not hemmed in by gravity or by natural law. In fact, we were created a little lower than the angels. That means, think of the biggest, baddest guy you can think of, maybe like some of these guys. And they were created a little lower than the angels, okay? And notice that it says he will give his angels, plural, charge over you, not angel. So that means there's at least two, I chose three. All right, guys, you are my guardian angels, okay? Justin, Lee, Brian. Brian, come stand behind me. Lee, will you come stand on this side of me right here? And Justin, come on, right here. These guys are my guardian angels. They were given charge over me. In other words, it's their job to keep me in all my ways, right? Now, who wants a piece of me right now? <laughs> come and get it, all right? You guys got my back? You got my back? This is, wouldn't it be amazing to walk through life with this? All the time, man, I'd be taking shortcuts. I don't care. I'd be walking into places I would never dream of going if I had these three guys on my back. And they were commissioned by their creator, their maker, to take care of me. Isn't that awesome? You are never alone in life. Never alone. And there's other reasons why you're never alone, and we'll get to those, but just think about this for a second. Verses 11 and 12, he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone, this is incredible. Last year we had the privilege of meeting the Vice President of the United States and Senator Ted Cruz, my family, in Dallas. He was flying into Dallas, a friend of ours is one of his advanced planning uh, team members and he said, hey, the Vice President's coming to town, do you guys want to meet him? Yes. And so he gave us explicit instructions, he took down our first names, last names, cell phone numbers, all that stuff. We had to show up at a little building off to the side of DFW Airport, kind of in the back, We had to check in with security, secret service, had to make sure our names were right, IDs. They wanted us, and we went into this room that was kind of a holding area before we went out to the tarmac to meet the vice president. In this room, there were military personnel, there were DFW police, there were uh, Dallas SWAT team members walking around, there were bomb-sniffing dogs walking around, German shepherds, and every now and then our friend would come up to us, and he was a secret service agent, He he had a weapon, under his arm, he had a weapon back here and who knows where else. And he had a little swiggly thing out of his ear and he would be talking to us. And then he'd just walk away and start talking to some Secret Service people. And when he came back by, I said, Stephen, this is awesome. I've never been in an environment like this. I said, this is probably the safest place in America. He said, no, it's the second safest place in America. He said, wherever Trump is, that's the safest place. <laughs> this is number two. Guys, we went out to the tarmac, there were helicopters sweeping the runways with spotlights. There were snipers on top of the building. There were dogs and secret service agents all around to make sure they were protected. What they did not know is that I came with my own security. <laughs> I was safe and secure. Thank you guys, thank you for being up here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having my back. Thanks, Lee, appreciate, appreciate it. It's incredible. Do you get the picture how safe this place is, this secret place? Those who dwell in this place, those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So we started in this chapter with the psalmist's proclamation. Then we looked at our protection. It finishes in verses 14 through 16 with God's promises to those who dwell in this secret place. And there are five promises in this passage. It is awesome. He says, because he has set his love upon me therefore I will deliver him I will set him on high because he's known my name he shall call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him with long life I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation five promises he says I will rescue him I will respond to him when he calls on me I will be right there with him in trouble not keep him from it but be right there with him in it. He says, I will reward him, and I will redeem him. What an incredible promise to those who dwell in the secret place. It's incredible, this promise. But where is this secret place? Where is it? Okay, Dave, I'm interested. You've sold me. How do I get to the secret place? Do I pay a fee? Is it a bunker in my backyard? Is it one of those fancy panic rooms everybody's talking about? No, no, no. It's not found in a place, it's found in a person. All throughout the psalm we've been giving clues as to where this secret place is. He said his truth shall be your shield and buckler. Who called himself the truth? Anybody? Jesus called himself the truth, right? He's the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. God says, because he has set his love upon me. Why do we love God? Because he first loved us and gave himself for us. He says, he's called upon my name. There's only one name given among among men whereby we can be saved, and that is the name what? Jesus. The secret place is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. He's the secret place. He's our refuge. He is our fortress. He's the one that we must trust in to be safe. Now, maybe a picture will help. I, I brought something here, because if you're like me, sometimes a picture's worth a thousand words, and it's easier to understand something. <laughs> if I can see it, And so the challenge for us is to abide, to dwell in the secret place. And we've just discovered that that's by having faith in Christ. And so here's you, okay? I know it doesn't quite look like you, but just use your imagination. All right, it's you. This is you. This is you by yourself in a land that is filled with dangers and snares, perilous pestilences, destruction, destruction terrors by night, arrows by day, destruction at noon day, serpents, lions that are out to get you, laying snares for you, satanic snares. This is you. And you face that all alone. I don't know about you, but that's not very desirable to me. But the one who trusts in God, not in themselves, but who trusts in God, something really cool happens. The Bible says that the moment we trust in Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, takes up residence in us. The Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? The Spirit. He's our seal. He's our guarantee of salvation. He comes in us. He lives in us. So now... We have the Spirit. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He's inside. That's, that's better, isn't it? But it doesn't stop there because those of us who trust in Jesus Christ, not only is the Spirit of Christ in us, it says that now we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Ephesians says that we are in Christ. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. And he is the hope of glory. So now we're not on our own. We have the Spirit within And we are in Christ, but it doesn't even stop there. It says that Christ is in God. Colossians 3 talks about that mystery, that Christ is in us, but that Christ is also in God. And let's not forget, verses 11 and 12, he'll give his angels charge over you. So we are now in Christ. Christ is in God. We are surrounded by his angels. And we are sealed. Isn't that great? Do you see you in there? Do you see yourself in there? This is how the believer in Jesus goes through life. This is Psalm 91. And maybe you're thinking, well, Dave, hold on a second. I was paying attention during your introduction, and I heard about all that stuff that happened in your life, and that doesn't sound very safe to me. No, you misunderstand. You see, all of that stuff that happened in my life while I was in this condition, I know because of God's word that all of those things had to get through God. Then they had to go through Christ. And then they had to go through his angelic guard. And when they finally were allowed to come to me, I still didn't face them alone. I had the Holy Spirit inside who was my helper. He was my guide. He prayed for me when I didn't know what to say. He gave me supernatural peace. He gave me supernatural strength. And I know that if God allowed it to get to me, he would help me deal with it. And it was meant to make me more and more like Jesus. You see, when we're in the secret place of the Most High, when he is covering us in the shelter of his wings, any bad thing that happens to us is actually for us. He allows it. In his loving, all-knowing way, he allows it to get to us. All the things that come to us have to go through the sifter of God's loving sovereignty. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Are you in the secret place today? Or are you going through your life Alone? As the band comes and begins to play, I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you are here today and you have never turned from your sin and self effort and trusted in Jesus Christ, you've never called out to God to save you, you are going through this life alone. You're facing all the dangers alone. And you don't have to because Jesus is calling you to come, just like a mother hen. He's saying, Come in here. Come in here. Stop trying so hard on your own. You're not going to make it in your own strength, but I will shelter you. I will cover you under my feathers. You can can use me as your fortress, use me as your shield. And because you set your love on me, I'm going to deliver you. When you call on me, I'm going to answer you. I'll be with you in trouble. I will deliver you, I will honor you with long life. I will satisfy you and I will show you my salvation. Everything that happens to you, I will use for your good and for my glory. So how about it? Are you gonna trust him? A fortress isn't a fortress until you step inside. He can be right there next to you and you can reject him and say, no thanks, I'm gonna do things on my own. and You can continue to fight try to live your life on your own in your own strength or you can enjoy the safety of the secret place will you stand with me this morning with every head bowed every eye closed if you're here this morning and you say Dave man I totally relate to your story I've been through some valleys I've been through some hard times but I see no purpose in the things I've been through God can use them I'm telling you and turn him around for your good, for his glory. You just gotta trust him. You gotta say, I give up, God. I surrender and I step in to your shadow. I'm hiding behind your legs. Cover me, save me. Do you need to trust him today? The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is say, God, I'm I'm tired of trying on my own. I turn for myself. I turn for my sin. I trust in you. Will you save me? I want to, I want to be in the secret place. There are people down front that would love to show you in the Bible how to do that, how to trust Him. Maybe you just need to be reminded today that God can use everything that's happened in your life for your good and his glory. You need to come down and you need to pray and say, God, just help me remember that you're with me, that I'm never by myself. As we pray, let's surrender new and afresh to Him. Father, we thank you so much for this incredible psalm, this psalm of promise and protection. Lord, I pray that we would just step in to your shadow, that we would surrender and dwell and abide in the secret place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing, would you?